Hello listener, it's the host of Campbell's Football's Grant Campbell here, with a message to every one of you listening to this podcast. Please keep safe during this very stressful time with the outbreak of coronavirus affecting not just football, but our everyday lives. Make sure your friends and family are safe during this very stressful time for many of us, not just physically, but mentally too. But Campbell's Footballs will still be producing podcasts. However, there will be very few predictions because obviously there's not much football going on at the moment. I have a few in-conversation specials though, which I'm sure you would love to listen to. But at the end of the day, please make sure that you look after yourselves. Take the time to listen to the show in your own home, with friends and family. And remember that we are all in this together. So take care, be safe, and I'll see you soon. Well, welcome back, listener, to the Campbell's Footballs podcast. Uh, I am joined for this episode um, by a woman who's done a remarkable amount in a very short space of time in the world of sports reporting. It is BBC Northern Ireland's Nicola McCarthy. Nicola, a warm welcome to the show. Hello, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. As I say, I'm usually on your side of things, so uh, it's a bit strange to be on this side. But uh, no, thank you for having me and really look forward to, to the chat. I'm really pleased to have you on the podcast, Nicola, because you, as I said, you've had a, a very much brilliant success in a very short space of time. And I'd like to explore some of that journey with you. Uh, and my first question to you is what made you want to go into football in the first place or the world of football, I should say? Grant, it is just my number one love, you know, it's, it's a family aside, of course, um, you know, football has always been my number one love um, and my passion. Um, I can't remember ever not loving football. Uh, my earliest memories are, are kicking a ball um, in our driveway with my older brother, uh, watching football, following football. Um, you know, it's always been football for me. Um, sport in all senses, I love all sports, but football, as I say, has always been my number one. And um, I think even obviously the game, playing the game, watching the game, following the game, and and also the culture of football. I've always loved, you know, the club histories. You know, you know where they've come from. You know, the players playing there, the kids, the stadiums, the atmospheres, just everything about football. You know, I've I, I, I've always loved. Um, um, you know, nothing got me more excited when yep. I was a kid than playing football or watching football. Nothing. It, 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 it was always there. Um, and as I say, I've played played it my whole life as well. Um, you know, earliest memories, Italian 90, probably up there uh, among, among them. Um, and again, just as I say, that kind of... Uh, that, I just fell in love with the game. I really fell in love with the game. Um, and I remember really vividly watching Italian 90 and thinking, I, I would just love to, obviously I was playing, you know, with, with my brother and his friends, but you know, I would love to play this. As a, as a, I would love to do that. You know, mm -hmm. That's something I would love to do. Um, yeah. I, I would love to work in that industry. And, um, you know, you, 
that whole kind of romanticism, I suppose, of football as well. Um, with Italian idea, as I say, I remember strongly the Palmandinis and, and Baggios and Gianluca Viales and uh, and the Dutch team and Rutilids and, and Rijkaard and all those characters I remember as well. And I just remember being drawn to it and, and thinking that I'd really love to, to, you know, to work in that arena. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because really at that time, it didn't really feel like, apart from playing, which obviously wasn't an option as a young female at that at that mm-hmm. age, um, in terms of a career mm-hmm. or a career path. And with the exception of playing, it didn't really feel like. I don't know what I felt I was going to do because mm-hmm. I didn't see any women doing it. You know, yes. um, it, it's not like I had like a real strong role model in the game in terms of females. I think, oh, I would love to do that, but I just knew that I wanted to work in football. I knew that I was going to work in or with football in some respect. Mm-hmm. I, I just knew that from from yeah. an early age. Um, yeah, who were your who were your inspirations in the game on and off the pitch, Nicola? Because you you mentioned Italia ninety, um, were some of the players there kind of inspirations to you, and also closely up to Northern Ireland at home. Yeah, I mean, in terms of Italia ninety, uh, for some reason I really loved the Dutch team. Uh, there was something about about the Dutch team I just really really enjoyed the style of play. A lot of their players, Marco van Basten. For me, I remember just being blown away by him. Um, I remember genuinely attempting to be Marco Van Basten in my driveway <laughs> with my older brother and Nets. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, he was definitely one that, that kind of, you know, shone out in that, at that time. Of course, you know, we had Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, uh, Italian 90 and uh, beating Romania at penalties. And uh, I remember that game. And, you know, there was so much kind of hype around, around uh, that game. Um, and that team, um, you know, obviously the obvious one for me, obviously being a, a, a Northern Ireland girl, is, is George Best. Yes. I mean, you know, it's it's probably a cliche from someone from this this part of the world to speak about George Best, but genuinely, I, I mean, even still, I, I still a few weeks ago on Twitter saw a clip of George Best I haven't seen yet mm-hmm. and um, I, it just blows me away every time. Wonderful just, player. Wonderful, wonderful player. It's just incredible, you know, and um, you know, that level of skill at that time and um, and everything that went with that, you know. You yeah. know. And what about your own family? You, you mentioned you played a lot with your brother. Um, I take it he was a massive inspiration in, in your own career path as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my brother, bless him, you know, he had to put up with having a younger sister, but not only that, a younger sister who wanted to play football with him and all of his friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, when I look back, my older brother is actually one of the, the biggest influences on, on me and, uh, and and on my career. Um, he let me play, you know, he let me play with his friends. Um, it just so happened I was, I, you know, I was I was a decent player. So, mm. you know, I wasn't intimidated by playing with boys. I never have been. I still play with, with, with groups of guys. You know, it's something that uh, probably due to, to, to that experience I've never been intimidated by him in fact I enjoy playing against uh, against men um, and yeah he was a big uh, a big big influence on me he always encouraged me he's a massive football fan himself he, he was a goalkeeper um, 
and uh, so he was always in nets and I was always taking the shots and um, he, he, he was massive and, and I suppose when I look back I have a lot to thank him for in yep. terms of you know letting me listen don't get me wrong we had our moments but um, you know he let me play and at that at that stage even it was quite a big deal you know it was quite a big deal especially when I got you know quite good and, and then it was uh, it was uh, it was interesting but um, yeah he was a massive influence on me off the pitch yes. and my parents as well you know they um, you know, they always encouraged me. They never seen it as you know a girl playing a boy's game. Mm-hmm. Um, they were totally supportive. They took me to games uh, when I was younger. I had to travel into Belfast from where I lived in, in Newton Arms and County Down to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad would have given me lifts up there, and um, you know that's where I had to go to find a team at that point. Yes, so absolutely, Start, know, starting out. As, as, a, as a woman wanting to play football, how intimidated were you? But also, how much did you think, actually, you know, if I could get quite good here, you know, I could put myself on the map here? Yeah, um, I definitely, it's interesting because when I was, like I say, younger and playing with my brother and his friends, I never felt intimidated. And I think that is because I loved the game. Mm-hmm. All I wanted to do was play football. Yeah. It was just, it, you know, it was just my absolute passion. So I didn't ever feel like I didn't belong or I shouldn't be there. Now, don't get me wrong, you, you, there, there were comments and there were, you mm-hmm. know, there were people who would have commented on a girl playing. And um, But, you know, I just, it was, it was a drive almost, I suppose, a drive and a passion that just kind of, um, I, I just didn't let anything stand in my way. Um, I was the only girl playing on the uh, boys' team primary school and um, and that was a big deal because you know like I say I played all sports I played netball hockey tennis anything going I would play mm-hmm. but football was always my number one and I remember a day I think it was P5 or primary 5 or primary 6 with a netball game and a football game on the same day and I was the only girl playing on the on the boys team in football and I had to make a decision to play the netball game or the football game and I chose the football game and it was I remember quite a contentious thing and the girls weren't too happy with me you know mm-hmm. choosing the football game um, but I knew that I knew that I had a skill and I had an ability and and, um, and a love for it um, and I suppose it's like anything looking back if there were the opportunities then that there are now um it probably could have been a, a totally different story yeah um, but that said i had opportunities you know i played i played my whole life um you know uh, in, in northern ireland um a bit of international football um you know so i i did have opportunities i went to america and played for for a year uh, at a college in america um so you know there, i've had opportunities don't get me wrong yeah but, you know, I suppose um, had there been the pathway in place then that there are now, you know, and that's what I'm just delighted for, for young girls. I have two girls myself now. Yes. And, uh, I, I don't know if they'll go down the football path, but if they were to to have a pathway now and th- what's available to young girls, you know, um, would be uh, j- just incredible. Really, I, want, you know? I want to talk to you about your playing time um, because, you know, that drive and determination and that that will to just keep on going just just shines through to you, Nicola. And, and I just want to just explore some of the, some of the, the feelings that you had playing and then, you know, maybe making it as far up to you as possible. Yeah, um... 
I think, again, it kind of came from a young age. I knew I wanted to play, I wanted to be on the team. And I was really lucky that there was a female teacher that took the boys' uh, football team in, in my primary school, which, again, was kind of unheard of. It wasn't really the norm. Mrs. McConkie, her name was. And, uh, and bless her, she got some stick for being... Uh, no relation to know. Harry, the Balna the Mallard manager, was he? <laughs> <laughs> no relation there. <laughs> good, good call, good call, Grant. But uh, no relation that I know of, to be fair. But I'm not, I might look into that. Um, yeah, Miss McConkie, she she was great, and um, maybe only for her, it was maybe only that she was a, a woman I don't know. But you know, she allowed me to play on the team and helped. My mum was also school secretary of the school, so I kind of had the okay from from my mum to go and play in the team. Um, and then I went on to play club football. But as I say, you know, even then I had to kind of travel for that because. Um, there were no teams really in my, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. locality. So I had to travel into Belfast to play for a team then in Belfast United. Um, and then the team did um, develop closer to me, Northland Raiders, which I played for uh, for many years. And um, and then after that, when that team folded, I played for Cliftonville uh, Ladies uh, for a few seasons before moving to Manchester. Mm-hmm. And when I moved to Manchester, Manchester City women as a team existed but yes. not under the umbrella of the club that was in 2012 right so I trained with them and uh, now that, at that stage uh, you know I was I was, uh, I was thinking okay maybe you know maybe getting on a bit for this now <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I always did push myself just to kind of you know to be the best I could be and achieve what I could um, you know when I was playing um, as I say I played for a team in America for a year which was an incredible experience because at that time, Grant, it was a, it was a real breath of fresh air. That was two thousand three, yes. four, and when I went to America, it, I'll be honest: in the teenage years, you get a bit awkward about playing football. Well, you, I certainly did in my day because it wasn't the done thing. So, you, you know, I, I did get a bit awkward if I tell the truth. And mm-hmm. you know, in that time, um, when I went to America, it was you know it was a real badge of honour to play soccer. You know, and I remember distinctly the feeling of being there and thinking, these girls are so proud and, and they're athletes. Yes. And they've got an incredible setup and they've got great support. They've got, you know, great coaches. And, and I felt, you know, it was, it was like a revelation, yeah. you know. Um, and I really remember that. And when I came home, continued to play. And, and I think that's what we're, what we're getting to now with the women's game which is just amazing it's something to be proud yes. of you know it's your badge of honour mm-hmm. and uh, and there's so much talent you know and uh, it's great to see now that the girls can go on and pursue that absolutely is- yeah absolutely do you think you could have made it in America? Um, I played for the year I was on a scholarship it was actually a business scholarship but I played soccer for the year and it's interesting in America where a lot of um, athletes, as it were, would be sponsored um, mm-hmm. privately by alumni and, and various things. And I remember um, I was playing a game, it was a couple of months before I was due to, to finish the, the, the year. And, and it sounds a bit funny now, but it, um, a, a guy came up to me at the end of the game and basically said that if I was willing to stay in America, that he was willing uh, to sponsor me to do that, which is, well, I, I didn't right. realise that it kind of worked. So I remember phoning my mum and my dad and saying, gosh, this is kind of strange that this man had said if he'd be willing to sponsor me if I wanted to stay. Um, so I was, if I was coming back, I had one year to finish 
degree at Queen's University in Belfast. Mm -hmm. And if I'd stayed there, I'd have gone into sophomore year, which would have been second of four. Mm -hmm. So I would have had to do three years yes. to complete a degree as opposed to one. And to be honest, uh, that was that was the big reason for coming home and actually finishing the degree, really. Sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have no regrets, don't get me wrong, but I do look back on it and think, gosh, you know, I wonder if I'd have stayed, you know, at that, at that stage. But listen, um, these are these are the, the decisions of yes, life, you know. Absolutely. No, I just wanted to ask that question. Um, talk to me about moving to Manchester because, you know, uh, a, a Belfast girl uh, moving to Manchester, that must have been a big challenge for you. Yeah, it was, and in more ways than one, um, it, it was a challenge. You know, I um, obviously grew up in Northern Ireland. I went to university uh, in Queens, Belfast. Um, I then went to Coleraine University for my master's in journalism. Um, obviously, I had a spell in the States in between that. I played football my whole life uh, in Northern Ireland, and, you know, all my family friends, uh, you know, uh, are in Northern Ireland. So, but it, it kind of goes back to that, I suppose, that, that kind of determination or drive or passion. And I always wanted to work in football. I always felt that I had something to give or something, you know, to explore. Yes. And, um, I, I applied for the job at Man City and I was married at this stage, I was just married and uh, and I got the job and I remember when, when Chris Bailey, who went on to be my, my boss, phoned me and said, you've got the job. I remember thinking, oh gosh, I didn't actually think about getting the degree, you know. Yes. <laughs> but not, you know, you go through the, the process but then you're actually faced with, you know, making that big decision, as you say, to move your life really. And uh, so, but it was an opportunity that, you know, I just uh, felt I had to take, my husband felt I had to take and and we moved to Manchester and we had the best time in yeah. Manchester. Yeah. Uh, it was hard. It was very hard. Mm -hmm. um, it was it, it was tough to leave everyone and, and to go, especially when you're in inverted commas, I suppose, settled at that stage. Absolutely. As people would say. And you know, like Scotland, Grand Northern Ireland's a very family oriented, you know, close knit. Uh, so we made the move, and uh, and it was just incredible. Yeah. With the best time the best time and again it was for a job that really in many ways was a dream job for me um and uh, and off we went and and thank goodness we've, we've we've absolutely no regrets and talk to me about the experiences you've had at Manchester City because I was having a look on your website before we started this podcast and you've you've interviewed people like Kevin De Bruyne Sergio Aguero Joel Hart Manuel Pellegrini these are legends of Manchester City who've won Premier League titles yeah, yeah, oh, Grant, I can't tell you the experience I, I had at Man City. I mean, it, it's like anything when you're doing something, you know, you're, you're not thinking about it, you're just doing and you're enjoying or whatever, but when you reflect and sit back and take take time to, to, to look back, it's just, it was an incredible time to be part of the club. Mm -hmm. It was an incredible time to be part of the team that I was part of, uh, the Man City TV team. We just had, we had a really fantastic group of people and mm -hmm. very very talented people the access that we had at the time to the players to the managers was just incredible you know i traveled the world i went everywhere you know with the team we were embedded with the team it was the first team the football backroom staff so the physios the masseurs the doctor mm -hmm. and city tv so it, 
we, we went wherever they went, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I did that for a full five seasons, and um, it, it was just incredible. I joined just before uh, the the team won the first Premier League title, 2012-13. Let yeah. me not forget the Aguero 93-20 yeah. moment. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump in a second because I'm a Manchester United fan, and that moment still still uh, still uh, reminds me quite well. But uh, it, it's an iconic it's an iconic moment. But I still remember having my head in my hands at that moment. But I'll give a shout out to my dad because my dad is a Manchester City fan, so he was loving it. Um, but the club, I mean, I, 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 it was just an incredible experience. The opportunities that they gave mm-hmm. me, because bearing in mind at that time, again, there weren't loads of women working in football media, really, mm-hmm. and that was even in 2012. There weren't loads. Yes. Um, and they gave me the opportunity. Um, you know, I went there. As I say, I travelled the world, you know, watched them win Premier Leagues, you know, um, not an FA Cup, unfortunately. I was just, just, just after the first FA Cup, um, watched them win uh, League Cups, uh, went to Champions League games, tra- you know, travelled pre-season tours, post-season tours, and I had the most wonderful time. And, you know, I watched the club grow, mm-hmm. you know, it was just after the takeover. Obviously, I went I, I went in there. Um, so it was a very exciting time it because was. there was a real sense that something was was mm-hmm. brewing yeah. something was happening um as you say i've i got i work with the players but i got to know the players like mm-hmm. i you know and i still have really good relationships with with most of those players um you know and i cut myself really lucky to have had that experience you know with with, with joe hart and julie lescott and michael richards and sergio and carlos tevez and um you know david silva kevin de bruyne i you know you know we got to know them yeah you know you you, you were with them all the time, um, and and still I have you know I went on to do some work for for the players themselves, and um, so it was just it was the most incredible time to be part of a really exciting mm-hmm. uh, football club yeah. and one that was growing in England but also on a global stage uh, as well you yeah. know and also with the women's team of course oh as absolutely well. I mean the women's team have been a, a revelation in recent seasons and we'll come on to talk about that in a minute but in terms of the players do you have a specific favourite or can you tell us some of the stories that you have with some of the players because I, I was looking again on your website and I think you were playing table tennis with Micah Richards were you? <laughs> That's right, yeah. Oh, we had a joke because on pre-season tours, they were always my favourite things because, like I say, it was literally the first team, the first team squad, um, the, the football... Uh, support staff and ourselves as City TV for for two weeks really and then the final week of pre-season tour generally you know the rest of the club as it were in a wider kind of capacity would arrive some partners uh, the partnership department you know um, the, the CEO maybe and, um, and and all the kind of um, uh, people around the tour who were really operational making things happen uh, but for those first two weeks it was just football it was just the boys getting back on the pitch and ourselves you know documenting and filming it mm-hmm. so we always had things like you know a table tennis table or you know pool table or whatever and I had a joke I had said as a joke that I used to be a table tennis champion just for a laugh and uh, of course the boys fell for this and then when I actually was playing they realized I definitely was not a table tennis champion <laughs> brilliant but uh, you mentioned Micah, and, and Micah's just one of, uh, you know, that was a really, I think, special squad and a special time, again, you know, a special people time and, and a real incredible energy. And uh, Micah, I love, I adore Micah. He's, 
a nicer man you could not meet. Yeah, he, yeah. He was brilliant. Um, he's a real salt of the earth guy, um, you know, and and Julian and Joe Hart, um, and David Silva, Sergio, Vinny, the company. Um, you know, it, it it was a really special a special yes. squad, and they're really, um, you know Alex Kolarov. You know what a character. He was a great player. He was a very underrated player. Same with Ed and Jekyll. A hundred percent. I think they both are underrated, and I think in particular Alex. And you know, he's he's still playing really well at mm-hmm. Roma. You know, he's. I, I think what, I love watching Alex play. You know, and um, that left foot is just it's it's a rocket. We used to call him Color Rocket. Mm-hmm. You know, because he just had this ability to oh, whip out. You know, boy. A, an incredible shot, free kick. But but actually, what Alex gave on the pitch as well. You know, especially when he moved him into to kind of play at left back. You know. He gave so much, you know, um, of himself on the pitch, and um, yeah, wonderful player, wonderful player. One of my favourite Manchester City players is David Silva. I mean, certainly for the last five, six seasons, he's one of he's developed, in my opinion, to be one of the best central midfielders or attacking midfielders in the Premier League. I don't know what you think, but what a player! Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think again, underrated. I think he's getting a lot more, you know. Um, Kind of uh, attention and uh, recognition, I suppose. Uh, now, but I, I will honestly say, David Silva, I think it, for me is the best player I've seen in in this really? league. Wow. For me, yeah. I, I, you know what he what what he does on the pitch is just incredible, and some of it, you know, a lot of it goes unnoticed, and I think a large part of that is because of the person David yes. is as well. He's a very humble, unassuming, you know, sweet person. Um, and uh, but you know what what he gives to a team, the way he uh, the way he you know he controls. A lot of what goes on mm-hmm. on the pitch. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing to watch. You know, he's he's a wonderfully wonderfully gifted footballer. Mm-hmm. It's it's a beautiful thing to watch him. It really is. Yes. It's incredible. And I, and I and I I'm so thankful. I've had that opportunity yeah. so many times just to watch him in in motion. As a Scotland supporter, um, I still have nightmares watching Kevin De Bruyne because I think the guy is the best player in the Premier League midfield wise at the moment. Um, who were the real characters at Manchester City? Because, you know, they've had a lot in the past. And the one person I'm going to bring up, and I don't know if you've had any connections with him, but Mario Balotelli. I mean... I knew you were going to say Mario. <laughs> what, 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 what a guy. Can you, can, you, can you share some stories about Mario? <laughs> oh, dear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my first... Uh, I think it was my first meeting with Mario was really interesting. Um, and uh, I had a very short... It, the, Mario's time at the club and mine was was kind of short. I think it was only half a season. Um, I think it was half a season. It was a full season. I think it was like half a season. Um, and uh, I remember um, we were my first memory of him. We were at Carrington, and and the guys just parked their cars and then walked to the sliding doors of the old Carrington. This was before the City Football Academy, of course. Yes. And um, and Mario always always drove up to the front door to the sliding door he, he didn't park in the space he drove up and uh and, and he drove up this time and uh in his car and you know the boys would always play music in their car you know a lot of them would be into kind of you know rap and hip-hop and various things and mario pulled up and uh and all of a sudden he just went oh <laughs> no more i love you so we were 
just like kind of confused and he stood there at the side of his car and going okay this is like one of those surreal moments you know mm-hmm. <laughs> we're expecting you know a bit of uh you know jay-z or something but it was uh you know it, it was that tune that came out and it was just one of those moments that will always stick with me yeah and i have to say every time i interacted with him he really, you know he, he was always larger than life you yes. know i remember being i think when we went to play barcelona away and you know the, the guys were walking around the pitch um and he and he would just like you know look at you and he would you know grab your name mom how are you you know so it was always really <laughs> animated you know and, um you know a larger than life character but always really pleasant you mm. know and, and good fun and um you know, I, I don't think anyone had a bad word to say about Mario. You yeah, know? absolutely. I really wanted it to work out for him at Manchester City, and, and unfortunately it didn't. And he's gone over to, to Italy, and I really hope he can uh, make his career uh, kind of revive it again because, you know, there was once upon a time where he was after a really good, I think it was the Euros. Um, he was he was absolutely superb. He scored that fabulous goal, I think it was against Germany. And I, I thought he was going to kick off, and it sadly didn't work out for him. And uh, yeah, it was a real pity about that. Right again it's one of those you just you know the potential that's there you know yeah. and, and I really as you say Grant I hope he, he, he does kind of you know fulfil that at, um, in Italy and um, he's got bags of talent bags yes. of talent you know um, and you know it, sometimes it just doesn't translate to uh, you know, but hopefully it will. Let's talk about the managers and away from the players a little bit because you've worked with Manuel Pellegrini, um, you know, a, a winner um, and a really nice guy, and, and and a couple of other managers as well, Roberto Mancini as well. What are those guys like? Yeah, um, when I arrived, Roberto was there, and um, I, I just loved him. I just, you know, loved uh, you know the whole kind of Italian swagger, and um, he was he was great. He was always great with us. As I say, the access that we had at that time to the players was was fantastic. Um, you know, from a kind of um, City TV media stance, you know, he he he, he, he kind of got it. You know, that it was part of the club's overall. Um, you know, uh, strategy, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like most football clubs now, was to tell the stories of, you know, what was happening on the pitch and off the pitch, and obviously in, in the most, you know, responsible way that, that we that we could. So there was always that kind of trust there from Roberto, and, um, you know, he, he was fine with that. And he just had a, he had a charisma, you know, he, he really had a charisma. Um, he's like one of those people when you walk in the room, you knew he was there. He just yeah. had that kind of presence, like, uh, like, um, uh, else has I'm trying to think of um You're like a Mourinho style manager yeah yeah exactly 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 you know yeah that's exactly it you know like he's he's definitely there uh Patrick Vieira is another one who has that in abundance oh, what a Patrick. player as well and 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 oh, I, in, I, in no doubt in my mind he will go on to be a very good manager Oh, me too. I, I totally believe it. He's, he's fabulous. And when I was there, Patrick was the EDS, the under-21s manager. So it was really fortunate, again, because we had Roberto and then and then Manuel, as you say, and we had Patrick as the under-21s. And um, the the under-21s would have travelled on Champions League trips with mm-hmm. uh, with the senior team because they played in the um, the under-21 tournament. Yes. Um, the, and um, the Elite League. And... Um, yeah, so we got lots of Patrick as well, which was amazing. Yes. And again, someone just with that presence and, and that drive and just a great guy, a great guy. Patrick would speak to anyone, you yes. know, you'd have a chat, you know, uh, with anyone. It didn't matter who you were. And, and I love that about him. And he, he's just a fantastic person. Um, and then 
changed. You say Manuel came in. Manuel was totally different to Roberto. Um, you know, the engineer was his his nickname. You know, he had that real strategic mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a bit like Rafa Benitez, wasn't he? In, in yeah, style. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and you could see the difference there. You know, he was um, he, he, he was a lot uh, a bit quieter. He didn't really understand our not understand, but he I suppose he just wasn't used to the kind of the cameras and the city TV and the way we did things because sure. we were was really if you look at a grand pushing boundaries then. You know, in, in, in terms of our kind of coverage, um, in a good way, just to, to bring people inside the club. Um, so I remember we went to pre-season tour to South Africa and it was Manuel's first tour and um, I had already interviewed him when, when he first came in obviously for his first uh, manager uh, managerial interview and um, but when we went on tour you know it was a real opportunity for us then to explain on our side of things and I remember sitting down with Manuel for um, a good couple of hours one evening to explain you know what we did at City TV, yeah. you know, what the objectives were, you know how we would be responsible with the with what we were doing, uh, just because he wasn't used to it and he needed that, you know, he needed that from us. Um, but a really lovely man, you know, again a humble man, a quiet man, um, you know, very successful. Obviously, won the league in twenty fourteen, um, and um, yeah, just just a really a really nice man and a real football man. Did you man- did football. you manage to meet Pep Guardiola before you moved on or? Yeah, 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 I did, yeah. And, and it's funny because when I was, you know, th- thinking in terms of my own career, when I was thinking of, you know, making steps kind of towards the BBC and and that kind of thing, Pep had come in to, to Man City and I have been fascinated by Pep Guardiola, you know, as a player, as a mm-hmm. manager, you know, for years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously he'd been at Bayern and, uh, and I'd followed his career and I'd read his book and you know I just I'm fascinated by him and, and the way he thinks and the way he looks at the game and um, you know the whole Johan Cruyff kind of connection and um, so when he came in it's a long winded way of saying I found it very hard not to be yeah. around because yeah. I wanted to see that um, but luckily I you know I kept a, kept, kept a close working mm-hmm. relationship with the club since and, and I've had those opportunities and I did speak to him um, a good few times as well before um yeah. Before I did actually um, kind of go freelance, but um, what a fascinating guy! I mean, yeah. even just doing post-match interviews was just you know, which is amazing. He's a natural um, winner. He's a natural winner, and and yeah. in my mind, we'll go on to win multiple more titles wherever he goes, whether he sticks at City, whether he goes elsewhere. Absolutely, and I think you know, as you say, he's a winner. Um, he's you know just to have a mind like that you know to want to be the absolute best that yep. you can be and uh, and to dedicate the time mm-hmm. um, to do that and the, the commitment and the drive and being at the office you know early in the morning and leaving late at night studying and analysing and I mean to me I'm just fascinated by that yep, you know I just absolutely you know, it's it, it's incredible. Let's talk about the women's side of Manchester City because, as you said, you know when they were starting out, you know they they were just starting out. Now they are one of the kind of king queens, if you like, of the women's game. I mean, it's amazing how they have gone in an exponential direction. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Like I say, when I joined Man City in 2012, I trained with the team, which is uh, which is a laugh. But uh, I, I quickly realised how fit these girls were, and thought, yeah, uh, maybe yeah, uh, maybe sit that one out. But um, yeah, so the women's team was there, and, uh, and and they were training at a school nearby the Etihad, so uh, they weren't training at, at stadium or anything. And um, that was 2012, and in 2014, then was when the the, the women's team came in. You know to the club officially um, as part of the club and that's when you had the likes of Steph Houghton, Jill Scott, um, Lucy Bronze, um, you know, joined the team, Izzy Christensen not too long after that, um, you know, so that's when mm. when those girls kind of joined and uh, and that was really the transformation. So, so to have watched that grant, especially as a, as a female who, you know, has played football her whole life, to yes. watch the way, you know, a team like Manchester City brought the, 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 the women's team in and, and and opened the club up to them really in the same way as it was open to the men and to the to the junior age groups yeah. um you know in, in, the, in the men's game um and in the boys game as well and to watch to watch all of that unfold was really you know um again something i'm so thankful for to have mm-hmm. been there for yes um and and it just shows that obviously then as you say the team's gone on to do so well in really a short space of time i mean that's only six years ago yeah and 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 man city have uh, you know just one of the many things that they've done so well as a club you know and and it's paid off um and you know if you go to the city football academy and you see the facilities that that, the enjoy it's just incredible it's fantastic in that sense of professionalism um, and that sense of belonging you know being part of something bigger um, I mean that all pays off on yeah. the pitch as we know and, and we've seen that you know and um, you know um, Gavin Meikle head of Man City Women's Football who I know very well Gav's done an incredible job Nick Cushing of course I was going to mention Nick because you know he's, he's, had a, he's had a fabulous time at the club and you know what's really good about Man City is you've also got Chelsea and Arsenal who are, have constantly been fighting it out at the top of the WSL you've now got Mans to say there you really have a, every season a three horse may, three horse race maybe more and that, that's what must make the Women's Super League a growing league but also a very enjoyable league to watch Absolutely yeah no I have to agree I mean it's um, it's it's become you know um, it, it's just grown so much in the, in the past you know what five years really mm-hmm. um, you know a lot of a lot of work has gone into that from a club perspective you know from from an FA perspective um, and all the support around uh, around the game and uh, and listen it's only going to get better it's only going Definitely. to get better wouldn't you see some of the young girls as well training at the CFA um, in the under kind of eights and tens uh, age group you know there, there's so much talent um, and there's so much uh, to draw on there you know for Manchester City and for all the the, um, the WSL teams obviously the league is now fully professional is. which is which is great um, all of those things you know um, giving the girls the support and, and, and the pathway um, it, it's just great and listen the game's only going to get better yeah. the, the league's only going to get better and, and, and that will extend to Scotland that's already yeah that's already because we've seen Celtic and Rangers go professional up here in Glasgow City I had Leanne Crichton on the podcast she was was absolutely fantastic to chat with and just hear about her stories north and south of the border and I think it's fantastic and also the coverage of women's football has grown you've got people like Ailey Barber and Rachel Brown Finnis and Alex Scott really making it their own and, and really doing well like yourself in the Northern Irish side 
No, absolutely. That's, and and again, it's important. You know, it, it, it's so important, and we didn't have it. You know. Um, for a long time and uh and now as you say we've we've got so many fantastic you know women doing such such a great job uh covering the game giving it the exposure and you know grant all of that helps you Definitely. know it's and it does come back to that hashtag can't see it can't be it and, and, and it's true you know uh you know young girls need to see you know what they want to be and and aspire to be and um you know the media coverage and the attention on the game and getting to know the players as well you know with some incredible people playing the game yes. as well, you know, like some of Steph Hawkins, you know, um, you know, Jill Scott, you know, girls who've been in the game for years and still playing at an incredible level, yes. you know, so much experience to give, and you know, off the pitch as well as on the pitch, and you know, the game's lucky to have you know girls like that, and um, and also the, the the women now that, as you say, you know, are are are, are giving it the exposure. Um, that, 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 it, that it deserves, and, and again, that's only going to that's only going to get better. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk about your time at the BBC because you, you've had um, a really nice journey in there. You're obviously fronting uh, Niffle Highlight Show on, in Northern Ireland. I mean, give me a flavour of what it, what it's like working there. Yeah, so um, obviously after my time at Manchester City, which as I say was just an incredible five years, and. Um, you know, to cover Premier League, Champions League and everything in between, um, you know, was just incredible. Uh, but then when it came to my uh, kind of own career and, um, you know, I knew I needed to, to kind of challenge myself and there were things that I still wanted to do. And, you know, I mean, I grew up, you know, listening to the BBC, um, you know, Five Live, um, you know, Martin Tyler, you know, John Murray and Dennis, Alan Green, you know, people like this, and more recently Mark Chapman and, and people like that. Um, Ellie Aldroyd, you know, mm -hmm. from a female perspective, obviously Sue Barker, Claire Balding, um, Gabby Logan. Uh, you know, I grew up, you know, watching these people and listening to these people across yes. all sports, um, you know, and, uh, and of course, uh, Jackie Oatley. Uh, she's fantastic. Uh, I think she's just a, a. She's one of. She's, in my opinion, almost like a, the the queen of them all. She's kind of been the first person to sort of step out, and she's done remarkably yeah. well. And people have followed that suit. Ailey Barber as well is is from Scotland as well. Yes, Ailey's fantastic as well. Absolutely fantastic. And um, you know, I still remember Jackie's match of the day commentary. Yes. Um, I think it's two thousand and seven. Fulham Blackburn. Fulham Blackburn Rovers. Yeah. I think. It rings a bell. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think it was Fulham, Fulham Rovers, and uh, and I remember just thinking, this is incredible. Like, and that was two thousand seven. You know, mm -hmm. it's not that long ago. But um, as you say, I think Jackie. In fact, I was on a a Zoom call with Jackie and, and some others um, just last week, and um, it, it, she, she's incredible. She was telling her story, so uh, it was interesting to hear her perspective. And um, as I say, I remember that moment in two thousand seven. And I think you're right. You know, in terms of when it comes to football in particular, she's certainly pushed through and um, you know and it, it was just great to see and um, so people like that I've you know I've always listened to and followed and you know I've always um, I've always the BBC has just been such a, a big part of my life in so many yeah. ways I suppose you know um, from the Olympics to you know obviously to football and to, to tennis you know all sports but um, I always I always really wanted to work at the BBC and um, in, a, in a sports capacity so um, so I you know I 
mother of two girls as well. I think I, I mentioned that yeah. earlier. So, yeah. um, and I think it's important to mention that simply because you know, whenever you become a mom and 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 your life, you know, changes obviously. Um, you know, you, you start to think about different things and what you want to achieve in your time, and you, sure. you do get a chance to reflect as well. And so, anyway, I had my second daughter. At, well, I was pregnant with my second daughter, and I went to speak to the BBC, and they were very good. This was in Salford, and they took me around and spoke to various people. And um, you know, that uh, when I went in there, I just realised, yeah, I, I really I need to do this. You know, I want to, um, I, I want to, I want to, to work here. And uh, so then I got an opportunity to work uh, initially after, of course, Ellie was born. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went back to them and I started working uh, doing the around the grounds for Five Live and Final Score uh, reports and doing some sports. Um, desks for for five lives yes well so and, and i just again i just i just absolutely loved it and um then with the family naturally again you come to to, to make decisions and you know we ultimately our family and friends and everyone were in northern ireland and um you know we made the move back and um I was still working for BBC and still doing a bit of travel and uh, eventually spoke to BBC Northern Ireland and uh, came right back to my roots, yeah, <laughs> as yeah, it were. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> what, does, what does the Northern Irish League mean to you? Because as I said at the start, you know, I've, I've followed Northern Irish football since about 2015. You know, I've kind of got sucked into it by people like Joel Tagger and Chris Morgan, <laughs> people like Michael Clark, who's been a previous guest on this podcast. You know, it's people like that. And it just seems like a really good league to watch. It's a league that is growing all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's just something special about the Irish League, you know, it's just, um, it's hard to explain. Um, it's just, it's a really, it's a really special league to be involved with and, and to work in. And to me, um, I say I grew up in the 90s and I'm from a place called Newton Arts, so that it's arts football team and um, my dad would have taken us to watch arts but me being so into football and my older brother um, my dad would have taken us to arts games all the time and we followed them you know for years and uh, they won the country Antrim shield in the 93-4 season mm. and uh, that was such a big moment for me I've still got the photos I've still got the players that's my brother's um, birth year he was born 93 <laughs> <there right>? yeah <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> you tell him special special times. I will do. Um, <laughs> I was a ninety-one um, lad, but he, my brother was ninety-three. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, listen, I'm uh, just a little bit before that, like just a, just a little bit. <laughs> but um, yeah, and, and so yeah, the Irish League to me, even then, we were following um, we were following arts everywhere, and um, as I say, Conjan Jump Shield, we went in. I'll never forget, we went into the clubhouse after, and photos with uh, the squad and the country Antrim shield and uh you know, really really special memories and just that real special special bond david jeffrey was in that side actually um and um yeah so that would kind of be my early memories of, of the league obviously i played you know the, the the women's game as well so I have huge connections in the women's game here in northern ireland and um lucky enough to have played with some incredible players and uh you know i'm um, 
really proud of, of kind of the game here, you know, and, yeah. and, and the players here. Um, but the Irish League, yeah, that's kind of my early memories. And then um, always, so always kept an eye on Arts. That would have been the team that I would have always, you know, kept an eye on. Uh, they've had mixed fortunes, let's just Absolutely. say, in recent years. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so coming back, Grant, was interesting because, you know, when, when you kind of leave, you know, somewhere and go and, and really create a new life, um, and then you come back, it's an interesting, you mm. know, it's an interesting transition. Well, that was what I was going to ask. How was that transition for you? Yeah, you know, it, 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 it was really interesting and really... Um, it was hard in ways, you know, it was hard in ways, you know, our family and our friends were here and, you know, as I say, we two kids and uh, and we made the move back. But when you've gone away, like I say, and kind of build a life elsewhere and then to come back, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit trickier than you think. Mm-hmm. It's, it's how I would probably describe it. It can be a bit more challenging than you think. But yes. you know, luckily enough, I've, I've great relationships here. I always kept my relationships here. Like I say, I've played the game here my whole life. You know, followed the league, um, and you know, getting the opportunity to, to host the the, the Northern Ireland Football League uh, Premiership show. Uh, you know. The Niffle Show. It's it. It was just an incredible opportunity, yeah. and what, which I'm really grateful for, and um, and for you know the BBC for putting that trust in me. Yeah. Um, and I have absolutely loved it. Yeah, you do a fantastic job. I mean, you've you've worked with some some really high profile legends of the the Northern Irish game, and one guy I want to really bring up because I've actually got his book and I really enjoy his crack is Liam Beckett. What is he like to work with? He is a pet. That's how I would describe Liam. I just think he's a heart of gold, and what a storyteller! I, you know, I mean, and, and it's people like Liam that just make you know make it. To, you know, he's such a good person. He's such you know a football man. He's such a sportsman, yes. but you know. He, he knows his football inside out. The stories that he has, but the way he tells the stories is Yo. what's, you know, what makes Liam special. Yeah. Um, I love working with him. You know, I love any chance I get to work with him, and um, you know, he, he's just a fabulous guy. Mm. You know, um, and, and again, that's kind of what makes the Irish League so special is characters like, yeah. like Liam. You know, people that just love the game. Mm. Yeah. Um, and have really just followed it their whole lives, and they know the ins and the and they, they can recall things off the cuff and you know but they also you know they, they know that the young guys and the teams coming up as well mm-hmm. um, you know he's, he's a remarkable character Absolutely. but it, it's a special league you know I'll never forget it was a, it was from going to like the Etihad and you know Stafford Bridge and Old Trafford and you know coming back and going to to the um, you know the local grounds again and people are like oh my goodness you can, you know, you're you going from this to this but you know for me it wasn't that it, it was just you know I, I just love, like I say I just love football do you have a specific ground in the Irish league that you have a soft spot for Oh, <laughs> I get myself in trouble. <laughs> um, well, the first ground that I went to when I started doing the show was uh, Corian Showgrounds. And um, uh, I'm going to put my. So that's special because I'll always remember that because that was when I came home yeah. and when I was kind of starting out again here, which, you know, you have to reestablish yourself. Absolutely. You have to 
himself again. You can't just come back in. You've got to make the relationships and the connections and, and everything again. And um, and when I went to Coleraine, so that'll always stick out for me as a special. Yeah, Coleraine's got a soft spot with me because uh, one of my local football teams here for Martin United actually played Coleraine in an Iron Brew Cup game a couple of years ago. So there's a connection with Coleraine there. But also, Oren Kearney uh, used to manage for St. Mirren. So from a Scottish football league point of view, I've always followed Coleraine as my Northern Irish club and that's no disrespect to the other clubs and I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for the Northern Irish League and I, and I like a lot of the clubs in the Northern Irish League but Coleraine's the one team that I have a soft spot for and I really want to, to see winning because of the Scottish connections yeah, no, absolutely, and, and connections is the word for it, really, isn't it? I mean, football is all about connections mm -hmm. and, and feelings and emotions, and I think that's just what makes it so special, you know. And once you have even that little bit of connection, that's something you know, absolutely that's something you'll gravitate to. And, and like I say, I just think that's what makes it it's so special. And um, and yeah, and, and Oren obviously being in Scotland and um, and the Scottish, you know, fans and football industry, I suppose, getting to know Oren and, and he's come back to Coleraine and he's done. An incredible job, yeah. you know. We're coming to the end of the podcast, Nicola. I've, I've really enjoyed our discussion. Uh, what is the future hold for yourself? Because you've just come out of university with your master's. Congratulations, by the way, on that. Um, what What is the future life yourself? Because you've got your, your two daughters there with, with your husband, and you know, Niffle Highlight Show has been absolutely excellent. You've had this remarkable journey in such a short period of time. What is next? Because you know, the world's your oyster, isn't it? <laughs> really lucky to have had the career that I've had mm -hmm. um, and I suppose kind of go back to where we started that kind of thank my parents for instilling such a, a kind of I suppose a strong work ethic both my mum and dad and you know it's taken that you know to um, you know to um, you know I suppose succeed as it were in, in, in this kind of industry um, and again just that love and that passion just keeps me going you know that's, that just drives me um, I'm so like at the moment as I say you know making moves and, and, and transitional periods are hard and having been home and gone away and come back and having things worked out and you know hosting the initial show and now being fully employed at the BBC in Northern Ireland and working with a brilliant team um, in, in sport in Northern Ireland uh, I'm, I'm just really 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 enjoying that yes. you know and and again as I say kind of come, you have to re-embed yourself almost and, uh, and, and connecting again and you know, and making those relationships. I mean, for me, life's all about relationships and, you know, and connections and, um, you know, that's what I love. And so I'm really enjoying that at the moment and um, just getting, you know, bedded back in and um, covering the game, getting to know the managers, the players and everything around it and sport in a wider sense as well here. Uh, we're, we're really lucky in Northern Ireland to have, you know, so many uh, sporting heroes for yes, such a small place, absolutely. you know. Um, we've always punched above our weight and, and we have those people and, and it's been great um, and at a grassroots level you know sports just such a huge part of people's lives such a huge part of my life and yeah. I'm just really enjoying that again I'm playing a bit of football playing a bit of gilly football you know doing things you know kind of picking up again um, obviously as I say I've just finished my master's in sport directorship 
um, at Manchester Met Uni and um, that was just a, an incredible really really hard two and a half years mm-hmm. but a really incredible well as a man who's finished his PhD last year and, and, and graduated oh. I can I can fully um, commend you because it's uh, it's uh, an unbelievable achievement once you get there but it's a lot of blood sweat and tears so I can fully sympathise oh no listen I take my hat off to you, Grant, because PhD just, you know, uh, fair play, it's it's such a commitment and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I did a master's in journalism, you know, when I was younger um, and this was going back to, to, to a master's and with the kids, having the two kids and, and I'm working and it was, there were times I just thought this is not going to happen, you know, yeah. but I loved it. Again, I loved it. I, I suppose my time at Manchester City it did really kind of make me realise, you know, that there is a lack of women in kind of, you know, I suppose, decision-making board-level mm-hmm. kind of environments. And, you know, I would like to think that in my career, you know, I will affect change and I will kind of try and drive change. Um, and that was all part of me doing the Masters, really, to be honest. And also to get a, a better understanding of, you know, I love the sports industry and I love everything around it and the business side and the culture side, all of those things. And mm-hmm. it gave me that, you know, it gave me that in abundance. Um, so if, if it makes me a better, you know, broadcaster and presenter, if it makes me understand things better and, and connect with people better, great. If in, down the line it takes me, you know, elsewhere, that, that you know, then fantastic. Um, but, but for now, I'm really just enjoying, I'm just enjoying, you know, betting back in, hosting the show, loving the football you know and, and sport in a wider sense like I'm covering you know all sports now obviously football's my, my big one but um, and you know and I suppose just kind of taking all my experience and my learnings from the masters and trying to pull it all together yeah. and just yeah, I'm just trying to be the best that I can be. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, you've had a remarkable career, and, and it's just been an absolute privilege to chat with you, Nicola, just to hear some of your stories, and and just the journey you've been on. It's just been absolutely outstanding, and I I thank you so much for sharing your experiences with me on the Campbell's Football Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure, Grant. Thank you so much. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91 on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs. What a dangerous night.